There's an old legend about a wealthy merchant from the city of Tarsus who had been traveling for many years and he happened to enter into Rome itself. He was looking for a man who was noted in their hometown of Tarsus as a noted Pharisee, someone who was very wise and learned. And his name was Saul. And he inquired when he got to Rome if anyone had heard of him, if anyone knew him. And a young man found him and met him and he said, yes, I know who that man is. He said, and I can arrange a meeting for you with him. And so he did. And the wealthy merchant was very surprised to find this Saul, this wise, learned Pharisee, in prison in Rome. So he went in and met him. And he was very surprised also at his demeanor, who he was, an old, hunched-over man, but with a spark of life in his eyes and in his face like he had never seen before. And they spent several hours in conversation. The wealthy merchant left with the man's blessing. Outside was the young man and he greeted him and he said to that young man, what's the secret of this man's power? I've never seen anything like it before. And the young man looked at him and he said, sir, can't you guess? He said, no. He said, Saul, our Paul, is in love. In love, said the wealthy merchant. Yes, said the young man. Paul is in love with Jesus. Oh, said the wealthy merchant, is that all? The young man replied to him, sir, that's everything. What a difference from that scene to those opening words we just heard in Acts of that man who breathed murderous threats. Hear those again. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the Damascus synagogues so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. There's a lot of familiar players just in those opening verses that we know, that we've heard of in Scripture before. The high priest is Caiaphas. The place that's going to give him the letters to take to Damascus is the Sanhedrin, the group that spread the rumor that Jesus' body had been stolen and that he hadn't risen from the dead. With those letters, Saul could go into any town outside of Jerusalem. They would have probably given him a Levite guard as an accompaniment to him to take people prisoners. Rome had given that authority to the Sanhedrin over Jews who were outside of Jerusalem that they could be taken prisoner. So he was armed. He was ready. He was ready to find anybody who believed in the way, this new religion, to take them prisoner, to bring them back, to put them to death. And he's on his way to Damascus. And maybe you're saying, well, why Damascus. First and foremost, Damascus is the oldest city in the world, so it is very well known. 1900 BC it was established. But more than that, it is the intersections in the ancient world of all the trade routes that came and went. And if this new religion, this way, can take hold in Damascus with all the people that go in and out of this city through trade routes... It will spread to the entire empire very rapidly. And that's what Saul is afraid of. Because there's many synagogues and thousands of Jews. 
And so his goal in going there with these letters to take people prisoner is to stomp out this fledgling religion before it has a chance to take hold in the empire. You know, as we look at the scriptures, we see a picture of Saul today in this reading. But we know also in many of Paul's writings, he talks about his pedigree. He talks about himself. He talks about who he was. And you kind of can gain from that an idea of his personality. And maybe you've heard before the different types of personalities that there are. There's four of them. There's the analytical personality, someone who gathers and reviews data, somebody who's detail and accuracy oriented. There's an amiable personality, somebody who's supportive about relationships and cares about people. There's an expressive personality, somebody who sees the big picture and loves gut instinct instead of decisions. And then there is the driver. The driver is results and goal oriented, wants to see things done, and he's not really interested in the fallout. What type do you think Saul was? A man who had letters and was going to Damascus and wanted to see it done. He's a driver. And you know what the greatest fear that drivers have in the world? It's the fear of not being in control. And that's what we're going to see in a moment. Jesus is going to rock Saul's world. He's going to turn it upside down. Because as he nears Damascus, there's going to be suddenly a bright light in the middle of day that's going to be brighter than anything. And he falls to his knees and hears a voice. Remember what is said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. You know, it's always interesting, I think, and we hear in the scriptures, when Jesus has great concern over someone or a situation, we hear this repetition Remember, we hear him say, Martha, Martha, why are you so concerned and upset about these things? He stands over Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, that I could bring you in like a hen gathers its chicks. He's so concerned for Saul that he says those words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's profound. Why are you persecuting me? And you're not per persecuting my disciples. You're not persecuting my people. You're not persecuting the church. You're persecuting me, Saul. Me. Jesus. That's how much Jesus owns us as his people. That in the waters of baptism, when he puts his name on us, he claims us that if we are persecuted, he is persecuted. And he says that to Saul. Saul, that's what you're doing. And you notice in that scripture that was read, when it's all over, Saul can't see. The mighty and the powerful Saul who, who wanted to see things done, who had his letters from the Sanhedrin, remember the driver type and their greatest fear? Now has to be led by the hand into Damascus. His world turned upside down. But Jesus isn't going to leave Saul in that state. 
He's going to let them ponder what happened. He's going to let them think about what's going on. And Jesus at this moment isn't going to speak absolution to Saul. That's going to come to him in a few moments, in a few verses, from his church, from his disciples, from his people. In Damascus, it goes on, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him. And I want to take you for a moment, put yourself in Ananias' place. Because if this is the Holocaust in World War II, Saul is Adolf Hitler and Ananias is a Jew. And he's got to go to this man because that's what the Lord's asking him to do. Go love on this man is what Jesus said. Can you imagine what's going on through Ananias' head? That's why he wants just a little more clarity. He's not saying no, Lord, but he's saying, Lord, this guy... This guy wants to kill me. He's going through the world. He's got letters. He's got power. And Jesus says, Ananias, I have a purpose for this man. I'm going to turn him upside down in his world. Much like the song we just sang. Because who the sun sets free is going to be free indeed. But I'm going to let him know too that if he's going to follow in the footsteps of the prophets and the apostles, there is one guarantee I will give him. And that said, he's going to suffer and he needs to see that and he needs to know that before he starts on this journey. And so Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love those words. Here is Ananias, the Jew, coming to the Adolf Hitler of the persecution. And he says, brother, what powerful words we see in Ananias' heart. That Jesus asked him to go and love on somebody. And I want you to think about that for a moment in your own lives. Who has Jesus asked you to love in your life that to you is somebody that you think is unlovable? Who has Jesus asked you to reach out to? And you're afraid or you don't want to. You know, Dostoevsky wrote this. He said, to love a person means to see him as God intended him to be. To love a person is to see him as God intended him to be. Not as they are. But to see them through the eyes of Jesus, to see them through the eyes of redemption and forgiveness and restoration that only Jesus can bring. To see them that way, the same way that the Lord sees us. You see, because too often we look at others in their faults and in their problems. We look at the boss who insulted us or the friend who hurt us, the sibling who betrayed us. And we don't think they're lovable. And that's not somebody that we can reconcile with. That's not somebody that we want to. But problem is we don't look at ourselves. You see, we're in that same boat. We are all Saul's, as it were. I love when Luther says in the explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed when he says, I cannot 
by my own reason or strength. I can't do it. I can't see it on my own. Only the power of Jesus living in us, letting us see what's going on, letting us see who we are, how broken we are too, can let us see others through the same eyes that God sees us through his forgiveness, through his love. And that we are desperately in need of that forgiveness just as the person that God has asked us to go out and love on and forgive. You see, truly, we must be converted. Paul, Saul couldn't convert himself. It wasn't within his power, as I said, no reason or strength. He had to have the power of the Lord Jesus come upon him from outside. It had to be shown to him through the brotherhood, through the church, through those means of grace of that forgiveness coming on him so that he could be converted. He could be transformed. He could change. It had to take the power of the living Jesus, the same living Jesus that you and I see through his word through his spirit, through his gifts, the power of Jesus to transform our lives, our hearts, our minds, to let us be able to love and to see others as he loves them. And Saul, Saul who heard the words of Stephen's as he approved of his being killed when he was being stoned. Saul who heard what the disciples of the way were teaching. Saul who knew all these things, who was suddenly left without nothing for three days, who was blind, who could do nothing, his self-reliance gone. He needed a word from someone who was his sworn enemy. And it came through the person of Ananias. And it goes on to say immediately. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God. Reminds you of John Newton's song, Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. You see, that forgiveness that Jesus had for Saul came in that means of grace in baptism. There was the absolution. There he saw that forgiveness. And I would have loved to imagine the conversations then that he had with the disciples, with all his learning, with all that he had been blessed with by God before this moment, to talk about Jesus, the Son of God, with them who he hadn't seen before, but who had transformed his life in that moment, who had set him free to preach in the synagogues. Can you imagine the synagogues when he walked in and he would take that place of honor because he was a noted Pharisee? And he would begin to talk about the scriptures and unpack them. But instead of taking people prisoners, he pointed them to Jesus as the Son of God. He's opening the scriptures one after another to say this was Jesus who suffered. This was Jesus who was destined to die on the cross. This was Jesus who rose again. That's who this was all about. His years of study, his theological education, everything that had happened had prepared him for this moment. The mission that he never imagined. God took a man who came to shut down the faith of the people and the heart of the people of the way of believing in Jesus and used him in this city of Damascus where the trade routes intersected to speak mightily about the very one he had come to destroy. 
That's the power of Jesus' love. That's the power of being in love with Jesus. And the church is dispersed. And that word goes through all the empire. And we see it go, as Jesus said, even to the ends of the world. So what about us? What's our mission? Has God given you to love on somebody that you think is unlovable? Then you need to look through the eyes of Jesus, the one who looks at you with forgiveness and grace and sees you as a child of the king. Maybe he's prepared you in your life for a mission you don't even know about yet and you haven't found it. But it's there and he's going to use you. And maybe you're still searching. Then get on your knees and pray and say, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? Where would you have me go? It's a dangerous prayer. Because he'll answer it. And he'll take you. And he'll use you. But always remember the one common thing that all of us have. Of being in love with Jesus. And as Timothy said to that wealthy merchant... Sir, that's everything. You pray with me. Jesus, thank you for everything. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for the mercy. Thank you for turning our worlds upside down and for transforming us by the power of your love and your grace. Use us in this mission that continues of your church going out to speak of that love and that hope to your people everywhere. Lord, make us faithful and make us see others through your eyes. To see them as blessed individuals redeemed by your cross and given the gift of your resurrection. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.